Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes. 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Just Euler here on a Friday, rocking solo. It is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Got some more tweets. We're going to get to those as we roll along. Again, our buddy Adam Crowley going to join us here in just a few minutes as well, too, as we continue to discuss all these ongoing topics of the Steelers offseason. Appreciate you guys that are rocking and rolling with me solo here on the Blitz today. Um, and you guys know how this works a lot of time, right? When, when I'm solo, you know, we, we do some conversation. We get to some of your reaction. We have some guests. I also like to play a little audio, bring some, some friends to the conversation here. Uh, one guy that I always love to hear from. And this works out well because this conversation uh, literally uh, just happened what about two hours ago. Uh, Dave Damashek, he is our Yinzer NFL national media king, of course, worked for NFL.com and the NFL network for a long time. Now does all of his own uh, podcasting, all kinds of different avenues you can find. Dave, uh, I believe, I believe he read a book as well too. Not positive, but Dave Damashek, of course, if you are a, Steelers junkie, if you've been uh, following this team for years, you know the name. He's one of us. He made it big time out there in Los Angeles, out there in California. Uh, Always love when Dave uh, comes on the DVE morning show, has some great conversations because he is a diehard Steeler fan, but he also covers the NFL on a national perspective or on a national level, so he's got great perspective. Uh, Dave Damashek, again, just a couple hours ago, DVE morning show, uh, talking about all these same things that we've been discussing, quarterback, offensive line, draft and free agency priorities. Here's Dave Damashek with the DVE morning show. Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Mike Pursuta and I welcoming now uh, one of our favorite regular uh, guests here on the program from the Extra Points podcast, the Minus Three podcast, the one and only Dave Damashek, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, Dave. How are you? Yeah, I'm glad to catch up with you, Bauman, as ever, and Pursuta. I mean, listen, everybody is connecting all these various quarterbacks to the Pittsburgh Steelers for 2022 already as we sit here in in mid-February what about Kirk Cousins I'll say you about that option well they won't get that lucky number one and number two a little pricey I think a little 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 too uh, financially complicated but if you're asking me who I want to see quarterback your Pittsburgh Steelers Damashek give me liberty or give me death Hey, listen, that's kind of fun to me. That wouldn't be a bad one. I said, listen, I still stay with the, the fun story that would be for the next half decade if the local kid, if uh, Pickett wound up in there, he, him and his small hands, I don't know if he would be able to open the doors it, with, his, with his tiny little hands. But um, yes. if, he could, if he could make it into the facility and, and meet Coach Tomlin and the rest, I think it would be a fun ride for us. Anywho, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to derail, Bauman. I mean, what's the poop, fella? Well, I'm just wondering, uh, how did your Super Bowl go? Did you did you attend a Super Bowl party in the metaverse, or were you at an actual party? I oh uh, no, I'm wrong. No, um, I uh, <laughs> I you know what I did? I had uh, I had Jean Claude Van Damashek next to me on the couch. We got uh, nice. we got some hot Italian subs, and that was that. We had a, we had a glorious Super Bowl Sunday, hunkered down away from the uh, from the throng of Bungles fans that, uh, that flooded the SoCal region of football America. Yeah, uh, look, the, the thing that has emerged from all of this is uh, not a celebration of the Rams. The immediate conversation that ensued online 
is Matt Stafford a Hall of Famer? Because we can't just sit and enjoy the performance we just saw. We have to now rank him in the pantheon of the all-time greats. I feel, you know, listen, here's the thing about it. I, I detect, Bauman in your voice some cynicism, some skepticism about whether or not Stafford belongs in the Hall. This no, is what I can't I, I, take, though. No, no, I, I just, I hate that people won't give him enough credit for being good because he has a few flaws. Oh. Like, it's just, it's amazing to me that you can't appreciate the performance that he just gave. That drive is going to be one of the top three drives, remember, maybe four drives remembered in NFL Super Bowl history. Well, I mean, then then I guess we do park our cars in the same garage. Exactly. And doing that is significant. So long as they continue to hand out the one Lombardi trophy at the end of the experience every year, it matters who wins it and how you win it. I'm sorry that, listen, there is nuance to it. There are, you know, things are very narrow. It's splitting hairs of who gets into the playoffs as, Steelers fans know if they were paying attention in the last month and as Bills fans repeatedly how narrow these wins and losses are, but who emerges victorious and who holds up this, this statue. And in a quarterback league, especially when you pull off a drive like that with the pressure on that guy, underdog stories are awesome. It's great when guys come out of nowhere to do something even better as Pittsburgh fans should be well aware watching Mario Lemieux, and Sidney Crosby, and Terry Bradshaw, and Big Ben Roethlisberger, and so on and so forth, that the, that the thing that is the coolest is when everybody in the stands, everybody on both sidelines, everybody watching on TV says, well, the only chance we have is that guy, and that's it. That's what Matt Stafford did, and I don't care what pushback people want to provide about this metric or that. Matthew Stafford is going, spoiler alert, you don't have to like it, but five years from now, if he continues the pace that he's played at statistically and all that, he's going to wind up in the Hall of Fame. Why? Because he won the Super Bowl. That's what the point of the whole thing is. What are we talking about? And by the way, I, have a, I, I can get worked up about who belongs and doesn't in the Hall of Fame, but ultimately, what are we talking about? Let's try not to break a sweat over this, people. It, 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 a Hall of Fame, it's an opportunity to genuflect to multi-millionaires who have been cheered for the last 25 or 30 years of their lives and another opportunity for them to then get up there and wax and fumble for words to say, I don't, I, I don't have the words to tell you how much this means. It's not the end of the world um, who is and who isn't in. We can be a little more liberal with allowing some people into the Hall of Fame uh, and, and not being so restrictive about it. But, yes, let's not overthink this. The guy um, has had a meaningful career over the last 15 years. The crazy thing is with Matthew Stafford is that he is, uh, is that he makes people call him Matthew. What kind of weirdo does that when you could just be Matt? You gotta, <laughs> no, no, no. It's Matthew. As we've said before about other people, it's a red flag. If you are, you know, uh, the, the gold standard of this is Stephen A. Smith. Hey, Steve. No, no, no. I'm Stephen A. That's all I need to know about you. That's all I need. <laughs> tell me no more. I know everything I need to know about you. Um, all right. But that being well, said, I mean, like, what, what, you know, the, 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 the Matthew Stafford thing, he's, he's only, what's crazy is he's 34. How is he only, how is he five full years younger than Aaron Rodgers? That seems weird, right? Uh, it does indeed. But, uh, it, you know, of course, people will point to the fact that Sean McVay is younger than Aaron Rodgers. And he still might be retiring <laughs> at the ripe old age of 36. That's some kind of weirdo. 
And then people like that same thing is like, hey, that rando, uh, you know, Seth in Green Tree weighing in on like, hey, he hasn't done enough to earn a gold jacket. Neither of you, Seth. Shut up. <laughs> um, <laughs> what kind of weirdo do you have to be to choose to, to be like, to over the last month or two, whatever, since John Madden passed away, the universal celebration of this man. And the un, even in Pittsburgh, you know, the, I mean, he was a villain. People forget about that, too, by the way. It is very funny to watch the unironic sort of tips of the cap and otherwise deserved to John Madden. But it is funny how a shift in career or whatever in perception, like I think young people had no idea. I mean, like that was a, the Raiders and John Madden. I remember growing up, my old man and my uncles laying into John Madden with, uh, with this, that, and the other pejorative. But, uh, but how could you look at what, what his life was after he retired and being so loathed as the Raiders head coach and say, like, no, I don't want that. I don't want to make $20 million a year to sit up there and evaluate what other people are doing and just talk and laugh and have some fun around football. No, no, I want to be questioned by Gary and Seth every week. Like, why didn't you run on third down, Coach? Why would you rather do that? Why would you want your future to be more like Gary Kubiak's than John Madden's? That's a weird move. Retire, Sean McVay, for your own sake. It'll be a much happier life. All right, well, then, along those lines, as Kevin Colbert is now going to helm the next draft for the Steelers and then call it a, a day, does it make him more or less likely, more uh, risk-averse or less risk-averse going into this draft? I mean, as a human being, like, you know, I don't know how selfless Kevin Colbert is, and, you know, obviously he wants the Steelers to be good for a long time, and that's reflected in the decisions he's made for the franchise, along with Coach T and the rest. I think, though, he swings for a guy who, in retirement, he then can feel proud. I Look at what I did. That was my last act for the, for this franchise, and, and uh, I kept them warm and relevant for the next decade right. with my final deed. I think he does want to get a quarterback. And uh, listen, what's, this is going to be a great few months for Steelers fans. It really is. So for once, you're going to get to see your team get involved in free agency and they are going to spend. And the notion that the Steelers were, are, are adverse to spending in free agency is going to be uh, th- that, uh, that idea is going to be put out on its ear over these next couple months. You watch the Steelers are, whether you like it or not. And like, Dave, let's do the arithmetic of like, let's start Mason, but then not be good. Cause next year's QB class is even better. Like what, what the hell are you doing? Like, what, what are you talking about? How bad do you think they could be with Cam Hayward and TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick and everybody? There is no world where they go three and 14 and get CJ Stroud or Bryce young. It's not going to happen. Give it up. Everybody. You're in good shape. You have a good team that drafts. Well, this is, this is where you wind up. The good news is Kevin Colbert's going to get it right again. I have faith in that. And uh, I and I look forward to it. And uh, I, and I look back now in these last few minutes yeah. that we have had together. And I and, and I appreciate it. And they're going to keep me warm for this next Good. week. It's been a real pleasure. And I do want to say, shout out Stan Savern. Give him hell, Godfather. Dave Damashek there. Great stuff. I mean, you just you hear the Yenzer coming through 
whenever he gets all fired up about the quarterback position and everything, right? Great stuff from him. Extra Points Podcast uh, if you want more from Dave. And uh, thanks to uh, to DVE Morning Show producer Joe Rokicki for procuring that audio, as always. I, I, could listen to, I could listen to Randy Bauman and Dave Damashek talk stellars all day. Always great stuff there. Uh, Wesley Euler with you here on the Steelers Blitz. We'll have great stuff, great guest. Our buddy Adam Crowley about 15 minutes from now. Wanted to get to a couple of your tweets here in the meantime. Richard tweets us and says, people keep complaining about the offensive line. We knew this was a young line going into last season. We knew that they had to be or that it had to be rebuilt. They all didn't get to play together uh, throughout the training camp process either. Now everybody's complaining about their poor, poor play. Let's see what happens this next year. There's a balance there, right, Richard, of being realistic with what we all thought the offensive line was going to be, but also just knowing that it, it never really looked like they showed much market, marked improvement. I think that's the real kicker. We knew that they were going to struggle. We knew that they were rebuilding. We knew that it was going to take time, but there weren't very many encouraging moments or games or stretches throughout the year. You knew that there was going to be the down, that there was going to be the bad. I think you were hoping for some of the positive as well, too, that we didn't get much of. But it was certainly going to be a work in progress. And even if the Steelers address it with a high pedigree draft pick and maybe some free agent money, it'll probably still be a work in process, a work in process, a work in progress, pardon me, this year as well, too. But it's got to be better. It absolutely... I think that's the one thing all Steelers fans can agree on. If the offensive line ain't better in 2022, this team isn't going to be better in 2022. Katie tweets us and says, uh, if the defense can get back to the level that it was elite in 2019, we get better QB play uh, than Mason. I think we're contenders again. With that being said, I think the free agency will be key with the defense and, of course, keeping an eye on the Tuit situation. Yeah, the Tuit situation is a big X factor, obviously, and that's – one of those things that we're just not going to know until we know, and we can speculate all day, but that's not getting us anywhere until we just find out an answer. And I don't know, Katie, I don't know about contenders again, but contenders for a playoff spot, contenders for a division, yes, absolutely. It's really hard when you look around the NFL right now and how many great, I mean, I'm talking great quarterbacks there are, particularly in the AFC. It's going to be tough to climb that ladder in the postseason if you don't have a guy as well, too. That's the balance. You can still be good. You can have, You can still win nine or ten games, compete for division titles in the interim. While maybe not being true contenders, you can be in that next wave of teams. And I do think that that's a very realistic option, possibility, as long as, again, you have some, some, some better fortune with the defense this year health-wise. You obviously improve the offensive line. You do those two things, though, and I, you, you're certainly going to be um, in the hunt in December and into January. Rod Dalla tweets us and says, got to go to the draft for a quarterback, take a chance on Malik Willis, just off the simple fact that we passed on Lamar Jackson. And Rod Dalla says, just imagine a young Cordell Stewart in today's NFL. That's Malik Willis. <laughs> CR tweets us and says, I am already sick and tired about hearing who is the next starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, CR... I hate to break it to you, buddy, but that's all anyone's going to be talking about this offseason because <laughs> we haven't had to talk about quarterback play or who the next quarterback is going to be for 18 years. We've talked about offensive line and linebackers and wide receivers and running backs and safeties and corners and coaches. We haven't talked about quarterbacks in 20 years. 
Where's our buddy, Macho Man Randy Savage, when we need him? You may not like it, but accept it. Uh, Let's play one more piece of audio here before we get to our buddy, Adam Crowley. Speaking of offensive linemen, speaking of non-quarterback conversation, uh, our buddies, Dale Lally, Matt Williamson, Mike Pursuta, uh, just this morning, they had a conversation about the guards in the center's in this draft class, two positions that the Steelers will certainly be looking at, and you know that they talk about my guy, Tyler Linderbaum. Take a listen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the NFL Draft Triple Take presented by UPMC. Mike Pursuta from the DVE Morning Show and Steelers.com, joined by Dale Lawley of SNR and Matt Williamson of SNR. That's the SNR, the drive and uh, we're here to continue getting you ready for the NFL draft. We're going to be talking about interior offensive linemen in this edition. Before we crank this up, I want to remind everybody that you can find uh, this and all other type programming on all of the Steelers' social media platforms. Matt, uh, people get excited about guards and centers, but you need those guys, and sometimes you need to make uh, a significant investment to get those guys. Yeah, without question, and... Generally speaking, I mean, the second half of the first round into the top 50 in the second round really generates a lot of good guards and centers. You know, I mean, there's a low bust rate there. You know, you're you're getting the creme creme to the creme more often than not at that position. Um, I'll be honest, I I have to work on the depth of these guys, you know, it's still early in the process, but the top three in particular for me stand out as potential Pro Bowl type guys. Yeah, it's so early in the process. We've all mm-hmm. got the same guys on our list of five here. We've just got them in a little different order. But, Dale, let's uh, let's kick it off with you. Number five, Jamari Saylor from Georgia. Yeah, I watched him a lot at the Pro Bowl last week, Mike, and, um, you know, played uh, tackle at Georgia, but will kick in, probably kick inside at, uh, to, to guard because he's just a shade over uh, six, two and a half, but he's 320 pounds, uh, looks like a plug-and-play player, plays nasty, uh, you know, finishes. Um, he's just a very polished. That Georgia team could run the football a little bit. They did a, a really nice job uh, blocking teams up in the SEC. And this guy looks like he's going to be a, you know, a ten-year starter in the NFL, maybe from day one. And he's the number five guy. Yeah. He, he did play left tackle. Uh, played a lot of different positions in his Georgia career, but mostly left tackle this year. And I just want to point out, he got my attention because. Uh, uh, Sailor and his uh, running mate at right tackle, Warren McClellan, a name to remember for next year. Uh, those guys played a couple of edge rushers that are projected to be number one picks, both of them in the national semifinals. And Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo combined for zero sacks. Donut, it's the baby. shutout. Yeah. They, they yeah. against the Georgia offense. If, if Sailor were two inches taller, we'd be talking about him as, as being one of the top tackles in this draft. Yeah, I think that a tackle experience helps him, though. He's got long yeah. arms. He can operate in space a little bit. I still think he's best coming downhill in a Georgia manner and just mashing people, too. I mean, he's got a lot to work with. We've all got Kentucky's Darian Kennard as our number four interior offensive line prospect. Matt, why don't you uh, praises of, uh, a, a, dare I say it, another Kentucky offensive lineman. They're, they're starting to develop a little bit of reputation in Kentucky as a as a team that likes to run the ball and mash you a little bit. Yeah, and some have projected him to tackle. Uh, we know tackles in the league. Maybe he'll get his first crack there. I think he's a guard. 
Um, this is, I don't mean this to sound negative, but he kind of appeals to me as a four or five star recruit that was always bigger, stronger than everybody he had to block and never really had to work on the, the finer points of his game. So now he's going to have to do that to really most out of his gifts, but he's very, very gifted. Yeah. Really thick at the, you yeah. know, thick legs, thick waist, uh, and, and not in a bad way. Uh, he's just, a, he just built like a brick wall uh and, and, <laughs> well and plays that way yeah um he, he's just he's just a massive human being um i i too i think he's better suited to play guard than tackle but i could see a team sliding him out and give him a shot at right tackle uh right away to uh, to see if he can uh, stick out there you know it seems like i, I learned something new every year when we uh, get into these deep dives on the draft and uh i don't know about you guys i didn't know that there was something in the sec called the jacobs blocking trophy which oh, they, I didn't either. Which yeah, they, he won it. <laughs> they give to the guy who blocks the best, believe it or not, and he won it. It's pretty good link. Okay, yeah, so that, it, that was over yeah. the Bama guys and right. Yeah, pretty pretty good trophy to win. Uh, number three, we're also uh, well, not quite in lockstep. Uh, I've got uh, Zion Johnson from Boston College, and uh, Dale has Zion Johnson from Boston College. Matt, you've got Kenyon Green of Texas A&M, number three. Yeah, Zion versus Green to me is almost a coin flip at this point. If you're a hockey fan, then you need ESPN Plus because ESPN. Uh, maybe I gave Zion the, the bump to number two because he, he was at the Senior Bowl and Green wasn't. So Johnson was super impressive. That split that tie for me. Um, you know, the Steelers had success drafting Texas A&M linemen last year. It's been a really good, you know, uh, line at the college level. Yeah, he, he has a, a holding penalty here and there, but all in all, there's not much to really dislike about Green. Big, thick, nasty, um, better run blocker than in protection, but probably will be really good in both. Dale, uh, Zion Johnson, uh, he is uh, number two, excuse me, he's number two on Matt's list. But uh, he's three for you and me. Yeah. And really, yeah, you're splitting hairs between him and Kenyon green. And and I just think that, uh, you know, green is is, to me uh, um, a little bit stronger player, a little bit more size, but Zion Johnson uh, to Matt's point about the senior bowl went down there and played, uh, had never played center before and wound up, uh, you know, playing a lot of center, not just in practices, but at the game. And you would never have known that he hadn't played center before. He was left tackle at Boston college last year. Yeah, he so, was named yeah. uh, Practice Player of the Week down there, and that yeah. that is an award that is given out. Could uh, be to any position. Based on oh, what, yeah, all, yeah, yeah. what all the NFL representatives that are watching think. Uh, it, it, it's not a media thing. It's a NFL team thing. So uh, pretty impressive for him. Uh, number two. Real, real quick on Johnson. One thing that oh, stood sure. out to me, and I didn't see him in person, but it sure looks like that he has a rare build. Like, there's not much fat on this guy. To me, he looks like a, you know, a, a well over 300-pound running back. You know, I mean, he is a really put-together guy. That's a great point. And to me, there's more and more guys like that, not necessarily 300-pounders, yeah. but are these guys carrying their weight better? Oh, my God, yeah. 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 We'll, we'll talk about some of the defensive tackles, oh. uh, you know, in, in the coming weeks. And I was looking at some of these guys, I'm like, man, they don't look like they weigh 300 pounds just because of the way that they're built. And I'm like looking up the, you know, looking up stuff on him when I was at the senior bowl. I'm like, he's like 314 pounds. And that's what he weighed in at on Monday. I'm like, man, he looks like he's like 280 just because of the, the angular builds that these guys have. 
So they're kind of a lot like us in that regard. Absolutely. Carrying, the, carrying the weight really Carry well. well. Yeah. <laughs> Looks good people, on you, though. People surprised <laughs> when they hear how much we actually weigh because it doesn't look like yeah. Carry carrying well. that much around. Uh, one of the most interesting guys, uh, certainly in this group, if not uh, the entire draft, um, Matt's number one, Dale's number one, my number two, Tyler Linderbaum, center from Iowa. Matt, uh, you're a big fan. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to mention – that he is listed 289. I'm curious what he weighs in at the combine. I mean, if you're looking for negatives, you could say, can he do battle with the, you know, the, the Casey Hampton types or the noses that you deal with in this league that are 350? But boy, he uses leverage in his hands so well that. Why he, does he do that, Matt? Because he's a former, wait for it, state wrestling, wrestling yep. champion. Gotta state love wrestlers in the trash. State champion wrestler. I think we talked about this last year when we were doing these shows, but we all like uh, O-linemen to wrestle. Yep, they're tough. They're in shape. They know how to use their hands. They can battle through, you know, for a long period of time. And they understand their feet, too. I mean, that's a, a big great part point. of it. Balance. Yeah. Yep, 100%. I think this stands out with Linderbaum. I mean, that makes him special. And he's going to go in the first round, maybe in the top 10, maybe, you know, well past 20. Who knows? I mean, there's only 32 starting centers in the world. But this guy gets to the second level and has some Kelsey and Philadelphia-like traits in space, which is rare. You know, there's a few uh, offensive linemen in the league that come out of Iowa. A few, yeah. yeah. They do a pretty yeah. good job there of uh, coaching up those offensive linemen uh, with the coaching staff out there. They, yeah, um, sure you know, do. Of the, the head coach being a former offensive line coach himself. So they, they do kind of stress that at Iowa. Yeah, it's a, certain programs, I think, start to get uh, an identity uh, for certain things. And uh, O-Lyman in Iowa uh, is, is certainly a pretty good match. That's going to do it for our uh, interior line edition of uh, our series of NFL draft previews. So I want to remind everybody that uh, you can find all of this stuff on all of the Steelers' social media platforms. Might be, maybe you want to, you know, listen to it, read it, and then watch it just to, you know, to take it all in the same. All at the same time. The all at the same, same time, time, yeah. <laughs> right. On three different platforms. That would be really right, cool. Right. I'll figure out uh, what you want to do along those lines. I want to thank everybody for finding us wherever and however they found us. Uh, until the next time, for Matt Williamson and Dale Lawley, I'm Mike Pursuta. This has been the NFL Draft Triple Take presented by UPMC. And where you can find those guys is on Steelers TV. Great stuff from them. Love listening to Williamson, Lolly, and Pursuit of Breakdown the Draft. Uh, Steelers TV, YouTube, anywhere uh, that you get your Steelers video content. Those guys are there, of course, where you get your podcasts as well, too. Special treat for you coming up here in just a minute. Our buddy Adam Crowley in studio, live and in the flesh. How about that? He joins me to talk a little quarterbacks, talk a little draft, all this good stuff as we continue to roll along here. It's the Steelers Blitz on a Friday. You're listening to SNR.